Welcome back, everybody, to Rock Hard Caucus, Iowa's meanest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we got the same crew as last time around. We got me, we got Natalie, we got Evan, we got Stella. Now, everyone say hello in sync. Hello. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do like a one beat, a two beat, and then say it. No countdown. But, we just have to meld minds and all. Yeah, I was at trying once. to. Yeah, there was definitely some like guesswork involved, and <laughs> in where the other people were going to come in. Uh, so before we get into today's topic, I believe Evan has a grand apology to make to us all. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't just me. No, it's it not all your too. fault. It was me too. <laughs> well, so my in my defense, uh, the Iowa legislature website is incredibly hard to navigate and is just silly so mm-hmm. uh i miss the people who voted the democrats who did vote for the police bills that we were talking about yes. last week so senate file 476 which is the qualified immunity um allowing officers personal information for people who file complaints against them though i did look at the law and it does have an exception for domestic ab- abuse or sexual abuse or harassment mm. Which is uh, pretty crazy, because uh, like obviously the whatever police gets the complaint is gonna know who it is anyway, probably. Yeah. Though I guess we don't know because a lot of cops do a lot of fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, including lots of domestic abuse. Yeah, and sexual oh, assault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They love it. Yeah, and it they also redacts uh, their names and pictures from being released in like government documents. Uh, but there are six who voted for it. Tony Bisignano, who is my uh, senator, and he's on the south side of Des Moines, which is a very Mediterranean flavor, so it makes sense. Uh, Kevin Kenny, who represents Iowa City, Johnson County. Jim Lycombe from Scott County, Davenport. Liz Mathis, who is our dear KCRG you know, reporter from the mid-2000s, paired the up with Bruce Ione. The pipeline from <laughs> news to... Yeah. I mean, if you were watching local news in Cedar Rapids in the mid two thousands, then you were definitely watching KCRG because <laughs> you know I they was. were the best station. Yeah, yeah we're, we we're, all were. You know, watch Channel Two. No, <laughs> <laughs> she voted for this stupid ass back the blue bill. So fuck her. Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck her. She sucks. We were wrong. Yep, you were wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Okay, fuck up. Me and Evan. That's two people. We fuck you. I will never make the mistake of calling anyone good on this program. I would like to make the strategic recommendation to all of you to have the role on the podcast where you do no research. You're just there to make (laughs) shitty jokes. Well, that's what happened because I read some articles, but they don't break it down. Like who votes for what, you know, like they say six Democrats or whatever. Right. It's so hard to find that information sometimes. Thanks, everyone, who let us know that we were wrong. Yeah. Yes. We don't want to let him off the hook. (laughs) Anyway, Amanda (laughs) Reagan, who represents Mason City, and Jackie Smith, who represents Sioux City. Uh, They all voted for that. Uh, The second bill for preventing the defunding of the police Mm -hmm. uh, was voted for by Nate Bolton. Boo. uh, Along Ah. with all of the previous ones I mentioned, William Dotzler from Blackhawk County, which represents Waterloo, which, again, is the uh, highest proportion of african-american residents mm-hmm. uh eric giddens also from blackhawk county and then todd taylor who is also from lynn county cedar rapids never trust a man with two first names that's why all modern yeah. country singers suck 
absolutely. Luke Todd Bryan. Taylor. Don't no, just don't Todd trust anyone Taylor. whose name is Todd. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Todd. Just, yes. We have a thing about names on this show. <laughs> and it's, it's it's no offense to anyone except for the ones who are specifically named as being like shitheads who voted shithead Democrats who vote for shitty police bills. That may be the only theme that permeates every single episode of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also Stella and I's side project usually addresses names we hate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a big topic of discussion. I actually, um, Natalie and I have been prepping for our next Toxic Feminine Mystique episode. And when I, I've been doing some research into Kim Reynolds and her biography. And when I found out her name, her husband's name was Kevin. I was like, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all Kevins. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs down to Todd. Thumbs down to Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Stella's doing Kim Reynolds, and I'm doing Kristen Cinema. And oh my god, don't look up anything about it. Yeah. Her bio is crazy. I'm so excited to tell everyone about it. <laughs> yeah, she's real interesting. She's, she's real. Yeah, interesting. she seems pretty strange. <laughs> Seventh file th- five thirty four, which is the one that provides immunity for drivers who strike protesters, increases penalties for protesting, and also <laughs> has the new law for interference with public disorder control, which is like defensive tools that you bring to a protest to like disarm whatever they yeah. have. They all voted against that, which is great. But all the Republicans voted for it, so it passed anyway. Right. And then one that I didn't mention, but is an an example of all of the Democrats voting unanimously, uh, Senate File 576, which repeals the inheritance tax. I think that was uh, after we recorded that. Yeah, it might have been, but I I did want to bring it up because Mm -hmm. uh, we've mentioned the inheritance tax a couple times here. Um, I would like to make a correction. It's called the death tax, and it (laughs) impacts family farms so i like to call it family farmer death tax and i don't appreciate right so the thing (laughs) with the inheritance tax is actually it is actually different i believe than the estate tax because the inheritance tax is for like money you get from like people who aren't your parents or your spouse or something like that which is already not taxed uh, this is for anything over $25,000 that you inherit from like either a, you know, now they're getting rid of it completely. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> whatnot. But I did find a article on the Des Moines Register where one of the Democrats, uh, let's see, Janet Peterson from Des Moines County, uh, said that eliminating the inheritance tax would benefit LGBTQI ones oh. who want to leave money oh to loved ones who aren't God. children, parents, or grandparents, <laughs> which is very cynical because wow. there's really nothing discriminatory about oh this my God. inheritance <laughs> law on the books at all. Yeah. It's like if you're receiving money That's from so an individual dark. who is not like directly related to you. Then you're going to pay a tax regardless oh of my God. what gender That's they the are. Democratic Party in a nutshell, <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, That's it's... just Democrats. <laughs> yep. Another part of this bill, also, there is a tax cut bill that passed in 2018 that cut taxes for everyone, but it also included triggers that, like, basically, the state revenue had to be at a certain point for them to the tax cuts to take effect to basically make sure that the budget was healthy. Yes. Yeah. So they are getting rid of that. And according to studies, uh, that was going to reduce the state general fund by $1.25 billion over four years. Now, this doesn't take effect until 2023. And the Democrats are saying, well, they were going to hit these triggers anyway. But uh, I've heard a lot of stuff about like the Iowa rainy day fund and all the Democrats Mm -hmm. mad that... uh, 
Kim Reynolds is not using it for COVID relief. Yeah, Rob Sand's been pushing that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Rob Sand's been pushing that big. So it's kind of interesting that all these Democrats, everyone unanimously supported it. Zach Walls <laughs> whipped them up to support this bill, which basically amounts to like fighting with one hand behind your back in every future budget fight. <laughs> yep. Which, you know, providing public services and that sort of, this is pure Democrat shit. Yeah. Brilliant. They limit themselves intentionally. They lie to you and say it's because they support LGBTQ rights. <laughs> yeah. You know, Zach Walls came up with that talking point too. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because yeah. that yeah, pissed me off. You would know. Yeah. Jeez. So we're not letting him off the hook on this podcast. No. And Natalie, Fuck good them. correction to the corrections. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten the corrections and the correction corrections out of the way, <laughs> I think we, we can introduce today's topic. So uh, a few months back, my brother-in-law, Jake, sent me this document written by the United States Department of Justice. Uh, They released this on December 22nd of 2020. Uh, I shared this with Natalie, and it's taken us a few months to work up to (laughs) being able to do an episode about this. But this is an investigation of the Glenwood Resource Center, which, well, I'll, I'll give you just like a tiny little bit of background on this facility. Uh, It was opened in the mid-1800s as an orphanage, uh, like a state-funded orphanage following, you know, there were a lot of orphans after the Civil War, you know, (laughs) people died. Uh, And then it evolved into (laughs) what they called it at the time was the Iowa Institution for Feeble-Minded Children. So that's uh, a lesson in in the way language evolves (laughs) over time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for the time, it could have been a lot worse. I feel yeah. like it could have been yeah. a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're applying your 21st century morality to. <laughs> <laughs> and it still exists today as the Glenwood Resource Center. So it's basically just like a, a facility for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities to live out their lives, hopefully, uh, you know, be cared for. But uh, obviously, if there's a 63 page report <laughs> from the Justice Department, uh, there may be some Trump issues. Department of Justice. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, again, offloaded my research responsibilities off to another member of the podcast for this episode. Natalie has a lot of notes on this that I have not yet seen, so... I do, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to find my notebook, so... Okay. Um, give me a sec. And I just want to say, for those of you who may be judging me for the lack of work that I've been doing on the podcast oh recently, God, no. I've been much too busy watching the Snyder Cut of Justice League. <laughs> it took all this time. <laughs> it's a long movie. <laughs> How is it like four hours? Yeah, four hours and two minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. God. Incredible. <laughs> Giant movie. Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen any Zack Snyder movies, I think, except for his version of The Watchmen. Oh, okay. Oh my yeah. God, yeah, me, too. me too, I think, actually. <laughs> oh my God, remember the sex scenes? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I remember it was very like, sterile and bland and kind of not that memorable. Also very long. Yeah. But really, the only memorable part, I think, is like Dr. Manhattan's giant penis that mm-hmm. dangles, <laughs> which he very much accentuated in the footage. It was a very like stylistic, yeah. artistic decision. I'll give and him I that. think He's it's not great. a coward. Yeah, show the hog. Full hog, baby. Yeah. Full blue hog. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, he might be a giant radioactive man, but he's still vulnerable because he has his. His shit exposed. <laughs> well, in the Big HBO wang. limited series, there's a pretty cute joke about, oh, what's 
what's her name um S- isn't it silk specter i don't remember her like yeah yeah real yeah, yeah, yeah. Lori or yeah whatever. yeah yeah Lori. so Lori has like this huge like three foot long blue vibrator <laughs> yeah so I, I oh that's cute <laughs> that's so cute oh that's yeah because in the watchman he like gang bangs her <laughs> yeah <laughs> by Solo. copying himself yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that was one of my favorite books yeah, it was like not because too. of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you're such a fan of Raw Shock. You're, he's your favorite character. <laughs> yeah, I think you had some good points. Um. <laughs> I mean, that's real justice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. What we're about to get into, uh, I think he wanted to do some kind of content warning. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly sure how to phrase it, but just like kind of a content warning for sexual assault or sexual experimentation. <laughs> Abuse of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, death, and what I would call, you know, manslaughter of people with developmental disabilities at best. I think it's pretty murderous almost Mm -hmm. on the part of some of the higher ups. But just that this is going to describe some pretty horrific abuse of very vulnerable people. So just be aware if that is going to be too upsetting to you or too triggering, like, Jump off and listen to me and Stella shit on Kristen Cinema and Tim Reynolds. But <laughs> yeah, listen to the Ope episode again. Yeah, listen to Ope again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a pretty heinous episode. There's a lot of bad shit in here. Uh, we'll try to inject some levity where appropriate, as we always do. But that's what we're here it's for. <laughs> gonna be tough. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Documenting the evil of the state and trying to yeah, yeah not, for real. I mean, it's hard not to be fucking bummed, but yeah, yeah. Try to not be bummed. Try to, and if you get bummed easily, just. But maybe, you know, it's a good sign if you're bummed because that means you're a human being capable of empathy. And <laughs> you're very yeah. different than, for instance, uh, Foxhoven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you're capable of human compassion. That's a good or sign. Or really, if you are one of the people who constantly defends people in positions of power, regardless yeah, of yeah. what sort of activities they undertake or approve of. There's also something to be said, too, to like, these people, what they went through, it's important that what happened to them is readily available and people are telling these stories and people know about it. Um, I remember mm-hmm. like some of the most egregious, you know, stuff from this report and the investigation made headlines as it was kind of coming to light, but it's been a while since it's really, I think, been in the news and like what kind of consequences is fucking Jerry Foxhoven gonna face, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets it's a Reagan like, t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> part of our state's history and like there's been a lot of horrible yeah. policies that have been enacted. Like Iowa had like, you know, a state eugenics board like a bunch of terrible shit happened and like it's there's still a legacy of it still happening and it's like obviously very yeah. apparent in this case mm-hmm. yeah you know i was not very different in how it has treated people with intellectual disabilities or physical disabilities um a little bit before even the glenwood resource center was founded um in the 1850s johnson county had a historic poor farm every county had a similar <laughs> farm but johnson County's is the only one that still exists 
Not that it's Great. like functional. It's it just is like standing. The building, like the, some of the structures are still there. It's not operational um, at this time, thank God. But you know, this was an active farm up until like the '60s. I'm not sure if uh, it still had residents up until that time. But um, like, if you're interested in the history of how people cared for people with disabilities and how a lot of the times, you know, if you had a child that had an intellectual disability or severe mental illness, you would kind of just send them off to one of these institutions and forget about them. Or, you know, you send them to a farm where they're like working hard and fresh air is supposed to be good for them. Working hard. Mm. Yeah. So so dark. Yeah. It wasn't really until like the 60s and 70s. So not too long ago (laughs) that parents of folks with disabilities were like, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to put our kid in an institution. There has to be a better way. And so that has kind of evolved today. There's a lot of services for people with disabilities. They're hardly perfect, but there are places that are committed to helping people with disabilities uh, live independently and, and you know respecting the autonomy of the individuals they serve and helping them be out in the community. And it's definitely a lot less hidden and shameful than it used to be, even though there is a lot of stigma. Mm-hmm. And I know, Natalie, you could talk a little bit too about like some of the work that these people, it's, it's great that they can have jobs and be independent and be bringing in money but at the same time they're not making like minimum wage (laughs) they're making like less than minimum wage sometimes and just an interesting history of how we've treated these people in the past and I was no different I think in that regard this kind of matters a lot to me because my brother-in-law has down syndrome and he is pretty low functioning he lives with his parents I think I'm going to write up a little medium post about kind of what they went through with the political environment in Lynn County why don't you write a large you could write a long one. <laughs> yeah, that was a stupid yeah. joke. <laughs> That's one of the jokes in this episode. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you get the small, the medium, and the extra large. Uh, God. <laughs> um, anyway, but I can say that, so he's in his 30s, and his mom told me when she was pregnant with him, they said, your child is a mongoloid. They used that word. Oh Jesus. God. Yeah. So that was like... The late 80s. Correct. 80s. Yep. Yeah. He's in his late 30s. Okay. So, so early yeah, 80s. Yeah. So early 80s. Still 80s. You know, yeah. that's recent memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was a doctor in California. And then they said that um, his parents should put him in an institution as quickly as possible because he would never be able to live on his own and he would end up becoming a violent sex offender. And this was after trying to attempt to get them to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. So- the medical system is still dark now, and mm-hmm. it's like so much more recently than we think sometimes. So I'm going to yeah. write kind of a whole thing about him so that I can get some contributions from them and stuff. But it's, a, I think, an interesting story. I just want to be able to get to the Glenwood stuff with enough time. I really want to be able to give it its due. So Yeah, let's roll. I read the document twice. I highlighted a bunch of stuff, but uh, Natalie has done far more work than I have. What did you start with in your notes? I made a little word cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. And clarity. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> but I thought there was kind of like five major areas that we could talk about. One being the hydration experiments, which are pretty horrific. Yeah. So, and then psychological and sexual experiments, neglect and deaths, 
the level of involvement of DHS and what I believe is a cover-up that went on here. Actually, I don't believe it. They covered it up oh, yeah. <laughs> at every level repeatedly, despite being advised by the doctors who work there all the way down to the text that this was um, egregious to the point of being criminal. And some of the quotes are just insane. I wanted to talk a little bit about the media response because I think it's interesting and says a lot about us. In particular, how, you know, this is one of the worst things I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> and it was just a blip. It was like yeah. the day after the report came out, there were a bunch of articles and then that was kind of it. And then also like how the media focused on the more sensational parts of this, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's very sensational. But at the same time, they don't really seem to give a shit about how all these people died just based on like basically criminal neglect. And, you know, kind of what does that say about us? And then I found the only article from 2021 I found about it is very upsetting. And I would like to kind of end on that. Okay. That one is like a perfect encapsulation of like America. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are the five areas I wanted to talk about. Um, and then I have a personal um, vendetta against Foxhoven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I did some control F and wrote down every single time that Foxhoven was personally advised. So yes. in the DOJ report stating they went directly to director Foxhoven, like not just the times they talked about DHS leadership or, you know, whatever that includes Foxhoven too, but like he has been directly contacted and almost every time he says it's a disgruntled employee or mm -hmm. whatever. So I, I fucking hate that dude. <laughs> And I hate his hashtag resistance, like rebranding, renaissance, rebranding. Yeah. Oh, he's the Tupac yeah. man. He likes yeah, Tupac. Reagan t-shirts. Reagan t-shirts. Did you hear he likes an extremely popular rapper? <laughs> <laughs> an early target of Rock he Hard Caucus. He got fired because he was a, a Democrat and whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Kim Reynolds, he's a resistance fighter. Yep, yep. Kim Reynolds was right to fire him. It's like the only good, <laughs> yeah. good thing she ever did. <laughs> He got a fucking Bleeding Heartland editorial, like, recently yeah. about yeah. how he, you know, the classic, like, I'm pro-life and that's fine. Oh, yeah, right. we read yeah, that yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so bad. Oh, I hate <laughs> him so much. So just so everyone knows, this report includes many, many, many instances of them directly reaching out to him. Yeah. Yeah, the hydration thing is early in the document, so we can go kind of linearly there. Yeah, I was going to kind of go. They introduce yeah. like the main villain of the story <laughs> at the opening of the hydration experiments. Yes. Oh, and there are a couple things buried in the footnotes I want to talk about. So I'll do a, a footnote section too. This is going to be like the Snyder cut of this <laughs> DOJ report. <laughs> this will be a four-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, this guy, 20, Dr. 2017 Rhea, is the first time that DHS starts to understand this. So yeah, Dr. Rhea. That's R-E-A, Dr. Rhea. I don't remember if they mentioned this guy's first name ever. But they hired him in uh, 2017 to be the superintendent at Glenwood, and he was very much wanting to like conduct research on the residents of Glenwood, which is not really appropriate. And he also <laughs> did not follow any sort of like ethical guidelines to conduct said research. And this was kind of based on his um, 
his history, like he worked, I think, at another facility in Kansas where he was doing this kind of stuff. And he had like contacts at universities where he was like, oh, yeah, I can like do some experiments on the residents of this facility that I now run. And that will benefit the research that my friends are doing. It it was something like that. Yeah, he says that he wants to um, make Glenwood quote relevant right yeah so like this kind of idea that this should be productive you know we need to be doing this cutting edge research research which is like insane this is a facility Uh, to keep yeah it's (laughs) like was it like value-driven outcome care so he's he's trying to bring glenwood into the 21st century by doing experiments <laughs> mm. and like being able to provide that information to his colleagues so pretty dark yeah. and i assume sell the data i assume i assume there's some sort of monetary i don't know people in academia though are so motivated by like just seeing their fucking name having their name though, on shit sometimes. yeah <laughs> yeah for yeah. real like he wants to get in the journals prestige thing <laughs> yeah for the people who live there glenwood is like their home and the right. place where they work and all of like everyone they know lives there but for this guy it was like oh i can Hmm. extract some numbers out of these people yeah yes his intention this is one of the things in the footnote his intention is that he would be able to move on to do other research on the people at woodward research center the state mental health institutions and the civil commitment unit for sexual offenders Mm. he hoped that he would take some of the sexual research methods and be able to move on to do it on yes quote-unquote sex offenders, which is dark. So I think there's definitely a capitalistic element to, like, we're going to be able to make this larger, we're going to be able to sell the data to private prisons, that Mm. kind of thing. Yeah. That facility, the civil commitment for sexual offenders, is also, like, shady legal grounds. Basically, it's, like, people who have already served their entire criminal sentence, and then Mm -hmm. they get committed to a civil facility to like do treatment on them because they're too dangerous to release into society or whatever. Yeah. So offenders could be an entire thing. Yeah, you would think that like episode. going to prison that they would kind of incorporate the treatment aspect into their actual criminal <laughs> sense that they were not rehabilitation. Yeah. Obviously. So that's yeah. I don't know the constitutional grounds for that, but it's definitely something that's been like pretty scrutinized and there's a lot of states who have similar facilities. There's a Louis Thoreau documentary about the one in California that's pretty interesting. The Woodward facility, too, is uh, similar to Glenwood, too, where it's like a huge employer for the town. Like, everybody yes, works there. Yes, put a pin in that. Yep. Don't do okay. that. <laughs> All right, so talk about, talk about the hydration thing. Okay, this is really dark and upsetting to me. <laughs> um, so, basically, his idea was that somehow he believed that if you overhydrate someone, it will help flush out their mucus secretions and therefore reduce the rates of pneumonia in the people who live there. There is no reason for anyone to believe that this is the case. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that sounds very medieval. Yeah. Medieval medicine. The humors must yeah, it's be a very, drained very... by leeches. <laughs> Why would having more water in your body make less mucus? Oh, it yeah. doesn't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, why would you seems, ever think that it does? Seems, yeah, seems strange. Seems like the opposite, if anything. Yeah. I'm going to be doing like kind of a chunk of reading. Yeah, go for it. That sounds good. We won't interrupt. Yeah. yeah. Um, And the end of it is the only funny part of this document. And maybe Justin can read that one. Because <laughs> I think we both saw the spot that was like actually funny, but the rest isn't. <laughs> yeah. In a dark way. Jesus. 
So he convened this doctor a pneumonia work group to focus first on reducing uh, mucus buildup on the theory that doing so would reduce pneumonia. And there's a footnote that said he also suggested additional interventions unsupported by evidence, including reducing laxative use and increasing albumin levels, neither of which have any link whatsoever to pneumonia. And mm-hmm. actually, cutting people's laxatives can kill them, as you will see later in this mm-hmm. <laughs> document. So they identified nine individuals in what they documented in meeting minutes as, quote, having a history of frequent pneumonia, which two of them didn't at all, (laughs) Um, on current fluid restrictions, which there are really important reasons why you restrict fluids. Yeah. So they're taking people that are not only not dehydrated are actually on fluid restrictions for like heart disease and stuff like that. Right. Um, and limited mobility and referred to them as the trial group. Um, but it's not an experiment, he says later. <laughs> <laughs> um, contrary to the recommendations of Glenwood's registered dietitians, the medical providers ordered that these individuals and then a second group, there's no control group in an of this, by the way, receive substantial uniform increases in fluids that did not reflect consideration for each individual's needs. Eight of the nine group one residents were tube fed and unable to resist increased fluid intake, um, which is Ugh. also a, a medieval torture method mm-hmm. that you I was going to say. Yep. Yep. Hydration. Just hydration experiments sounds fucking sinister to begin with. Yeah. Very fucking sinister. Fucking Nazi shit. Very Nazi nice, Waterboarding as well, but yes. you know, a little yeah, different. Yeah, it's like that, but it's people who they can't resist it because they're on feeding tubes and often like nonverbal. Right. But literally in medieval times, we did this to people. I just read something about it. Even if they're theoretically capable of resisting overhydration, many of the residents also have conditions such as kidney damage or diabetes that inhibit the thirst and saturation mechanisms. So their lack of resistance could not be equated with tolerance. Oh my God, I'm nauseated again. (laughs) Although fluid increases were intended to continue as tolerated, there was no written protocol outlining what tolerated meant and how to monitor it, nor were nurses and patient staff instructed to monitor for signs of overhydration. The plan was to continue increasing fluid until there was a sign of negative impact. The increases in fluid were significant. Across both groups, the average increase of hydration was 25% above recommended needs, with the highest increase at 58%. And some of these people are on restrictions to start with, by the way. After receiving the letter from the investigation, the state acknowledged that overhydration was risky. The decision was prompted by the theory that overhydration would dilute their mucus secretions, which um, overhydration is not an established method to reduce it at all or to prevent pneumonia. And DHS subsequently acknowledged that overhydration was, quote, certainly unconventional. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So... Besides the fact that it is like a medieval torture method, they also didn't obtain any informed consent at all. Yeah. They were required to obtain informed consent of the, you know, because they're doing experiments. Mm -hmm. They didn't do so when the interventions was implemented in 2018. Instead, two weeks after they opened the investigation, so years later, Glenwood staff on the order of Glenwood administrators called guardians and told them residents were receiving interventions intended to address their risk of pneumonia. They claim that this constituted verbal consent, which it obviously doesn't. What the fuck? Yeah, one, it was after the fact, and two, you were just telling them that you were doing it. You were just telling them. (laughs) You weren't seeking consent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
it's a like informed consent means that you are advised the risks and benefits of a procedure. Mm-hmm. Let's see, actually, the really the like only funny part is in the middle of this. So I don't know if you want to read it, Justin, but it, it is the only part that I think brings any form of levity. <laughs> yeah. So as the uh, Department of Justice is investigating this, they are, of course, interviewing the people involved. And here's a quote that they uh, they write in the report. Glenwood's then-medical director asserted to DOJ that the pneumonia work group's interventions were not experimental or research-driven, acknowledging that the methodology was so unsound, for example, by implementing so many interventions at once that it would be impossible to identify which, if any, affected pneumonia rates, so it was so unsound that it could not have produced any reliable findings, and therefore must not have been for research purposes. <laughs> so if you do a bad what a convenient experiment. excuse. <laughs> so they were doing this for fun. Uh, exactly. Like, That's what they're arguing. <laughs> you did such a bad job that you couldn't get any meaningful or useful data out of it. So that means your intention was what exactly? <laughs> Simply to torture your residents, I guess? It's so dark. I shouldn't say it's funny, but it's just like, fuck, that's the best you got. It's darkly ironic. Yeah, (laughs) that's like a a Kafka sentence. (laughs) (laughs) So some of the problems that happened as a result of this experiment. I'm sorry. Um, This torturous occurrence that is not an experiment because of how bad it is. Right. (laughs) Uh, the test subjects included two residents who had not experienced pneumonia prior to their inclusion of the study. They didn't establish a control group. Yeah, and you'd think they could have with those two individuals. <laughs> <laughs> you could just have those people too. <laughs> and then it talked about a side effect of overhydration is low sodium. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one third of the residents in these groups already had that before the overhydration began. Um, they were on fluid restriction prior to the start of this. Ugh. More than mm. half saw their sodium re- levels decrease during the period when they s- were subject to overhydration. Um, and they have, it says Clark Abernathy, but they're all redacted names. Yes, these are pseudonyms. Yeah, pseudonyms is the word I was looking for. Yeah, <laughs> I know that can fuck you up. I know a guy who plays disc golf who had to go to the hospital for ER yeah. for that. Low yeah, sodium yeah. Levels. it's super serious. Hyponatremia. Hyponatremia. for that. Mm-hmm. The level, like, your electrolytes in your body can get all messed up. It can be super serious. Like, you can die from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Yes. Well. It's horrible. <laughs> well. <laughs> Someday. Oh, God. <laughs> it's dark. So he was receiving overhydration 34% above his recommended needs. Um, and he was already experienced hyponatremia, even while also taking sodium tablets. Um, it got progressively worse, and it remaining in a state like this will have shortened his life. And then an, another person, um, Catherine Cunningham, soon and again, um, repeated difficulty breathing, um, had several hospitalizations. It was suggested of, of heart failure, which improved when she was giving Lasix, a medication prescribed to treat fluid retention. So she ended up taking extra medicine to treat the thing that the supposed medical doctor did to her. Right. Um, and then instead of reducing her fluids, the medical director continued to treat with Lasix while at the same time continuing to be in this experiment. She was receiving 143% of her recommended daily fluid needs after having fucking heart disease. Yeah. So they, they were just treating the symptoms that they were creating by giving her more drugs. Right. 
but so it's just torture. They were yeah. just torturing for fun because otherwise they wouldn't be keeping her on Lasix. Yeah. And actually, there was one example in between those two that you didn't read. They called him Albert Crawford. And if you recall, the stated purpose of these procedures was to prevent pneumonia or decrease instances of pneumonia. But for uh, subjects such as Albert Crawford, uh, he went from having had pneumonia twice in the year before this to having it six times while he was under this overhydration procedure. And he died like shortly after. So they don't link it like directly to what they were doing to him. But I mean, if you have pneumonia five times more than you did the previous year and then you die, uh, they probably did something wrong. Yes. None of these deaths are like on their death certificate. Will they say that it's related to this experiment? But pretty clearly, if you're keeping someone in a a state of electrolyte imbalance Mm -hmm. and people die, I mean, I think... At the very least, it's a contributing factor. Yeah. And they had they had a nutritionist, too, like telling them not yep. to do it. That is yep. so <laughs> fucking egregious. So dark. Oh, yeah. And one resident did die because of the overhydration. And then it said, highlighting the misinformation, I'm jumping ahead, about the, this allegedly promising research was a distraction from the fact that according Glenwood's own data at the time of the letter, average number of individuals experiencing an aspiration pneumonia per 100 residents had grown by 122% since beginning the experiment compared to the same amount of time before the implementation of the overhydration experiment. So the letter contains so many misleading statements is a consequence of the DHS leadership abdication of all meaningful oversight of Glenwood. So this is the fucking Trump Department of Justice saying this. I mean... (laughs) Absolutely insane. And it says exposing this to unnecessary overhydration increased their risk of harm, which did cause them harm, and then ignored and concealed it, which violated their constitutional rights. Yeah. And when they refer to constitutional rights, they're mostly referring to the 14th Amendment in this report. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally people's human rights. Yeah. 14th Amendment, uh, I don't know the exact text, but it's about like equal protection and due process. And like you can't just implement torture on people <laughs> yeah. based on whether or not they have a disability. Yeah. Okay, so that's the overhydration experiment. I'm going to continue talking about the experimentations and then we can go to the next part. Yes, because it was not limited only to one type of experimentation. Yeah, there, yeah. Are, <laughs> there are many experiments. Jesus. At least they were trying something, though. Like, I, <laughs> not every, you know, you're going to make some swings and a misses every once in a while. Gotta you got to think, think outside of the box. You got you to hand it to them. I'm just thinking of the people who are like, believe science, trust science, <laughs> yeah. all this shit. I mean, I know this isn't, uh, you know, exactly yeah. representative of, you know, science yeah. or doctors or whatever. But, like, but all science is not created equal. No. Well, there's obviously they're not controlling for anything and like that fucking ridiculous statement said like it's not there's no scientific basis for any of it right this is all counter scientific right but the guy (laughs) despite the stated goals (laughs) of this particular doctor yeah so we had the experiment where we do medieval water torture the next one is there were psychological and sexual experiments going on there Mm mm-hmm so I'm going to start with the sexual stuff is is pretty upsetting. It's 
It wasn't particularly widespread, but I would say it does seem like Dr. Ray was pretty into it, like as something that he definitely wanted to expand. Would you say that's kind of what it seemed like to you? Yeah, they bought like special equipment to to undergo these experiments. If he wanted to bring attention to himself, that would be 100% a way to do it. Because like you said, it's like very sensational. (laughs) When we get to the media stuff, yeah. Yeah. If this is the stepping stone, too, that he thinks it's going to be to working at Woodward, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that he's going to be able to expand this. And like, you know, I think it's all just like a wanting to become a world-renowned researcher. But I also think we can't pin too much on him because like you don't just let let crazy torture no doctors supervision. run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the one who came up with all these like fucking insane torture methods. But at the same time, someone should have said, don't do torture. Yeah. Like, <laughs> someone from above. The oversight. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is a state run <laughs> facility. Right, right. So basically, he they were using a bunch of different types of like surveys and like psychological testing and like methods on people that without evidence that they needed to be done. So I'm going to read the little bit of chunk about like what the the sexual experiment component was. So mm-hmm. Dr. Ray, is it Rhea or Ray? Oh, I have no so idea. I read it like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Acquired a set of computer-generated images of nude oh, and fuck. clothed children yeah, to I be used that. as part of the AAT, which um, means that they use a joystick to push or pull away towards positive or negative pictures. Yeah, which is also like a really bad visual, like upsetting of someone like pushing and pulling away a joystick based on like showing them child pornography. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. They were inexplicably placed on a Glenwood computer, although the AAT experiment allegedly was not intended to be used with respect to sexual arousal at Glenwood. They don't really tell you what the intention of putting the naked children on the testing machine was. Yeah. Like, so, Glenwood is your facility. Where the hell else were you going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. And what what was your plan here? So they intentionally put child pornography on a, like, computer device used for psychological testing. Um, and we don't really have any evidence that they started doing any of those tests. But what the fuck was your intention? Yeah. And they don't, they won't give an answer about that. <laughs> They're just like, we didn't show it to anyone. It's fine. Like, well, why was it there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with all of, like, there's yeah. so much of this report is about how, like, they don't follow any policies. Like, there's staff overturn all the time. Everything feels like it's about to collapse at any moment. But someone had yeah. the extra time to, like, download a set of computer-generated yeah. images of nude children. And put it into a machine that was used yeah. for psychological experimentation. I, I wonder if it has anything to do with the sex offender thing. But, like, even yeah, then, it's it like there's obviously no way to, like, ex- again, no scientific basis or, like, ways that you could extrapolate or use that data in any meaningful way. It's just, like, just I think pointless. it's almost more about developing tech- testing and like torture techniques because i think the idea was to like implement this stuff with the ccuso or whatever i mean it, it relates to the sex offender stuff 
And it kind of goes back to the thing where they doctors would tell people that all people with intellectual disabilities are sex offenders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to like he has the same attitudes. Yeah, or like mm-hmm. assuming that they would have some like some sort of commonality between Yeah, people with so it's kind of an interesting and controversial topic like when I worked at Systems Unlimited which does uh, services for folks with disabilities like mm-hmm. their attitude was people with disabilities you know they can definitely be sexual beings and they they should have the same rights as anyone and I think that that can be you know on one hand people are saying it sounds like <laughs> they're, they're sexual deviants they're gonna offend and then on the other hand like sometimes their family members would be like not seeing them as sexual at all or, or wanting right. to have them like mm-hmm. sterilized or not yep. like pursue relationships and yeah there's there's definitely some like questions around trying to respect their autonomy like yeah they yeah. have a right to sexual expression and to not have it warped by you know people experimenting with child porn i mean every, yeah these every, are human beings that's the thing that all of this i think boils down to is like you can do these experiments on these people when you don't see them as people or when yeah. you yes. mm-hmm. you see them as deviant or just your lab rats or whatever it's it's disgusting one of the families filed a lawsuit and referred to it as they were being treated as sexual guinea pigs yes yeah i mean 100 percent. there's only one lawsuit i mean (laughs) (laughs) after this shit i mean (laughs) that's the one that was reported i came across it when i was trying to like look at the media but He also proposed experimenting with whether the administration of dopamine, a dopamine antagonist such as Halidol, impacted sexual arousal and impulsivity. So he was like proposing to fucking restrict people's dopamine to see if it reduces their sexuality. Luckily, he was unable to do that, but fuck, dude. That's also a pretty well-established line of research. Yeah, we we love to go inject things into sex offenders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, just like the dopamine and sexual arousal stuff is like a pretty well-established link between the two. Yes, yeah. but I, because he's just doing it's sicko. I mean, he is into it. I'm not saying like sexually, but I'm saying like, you know, he just genuinely enjoys torturing people <laughs> for his like ego. Yeah, something something I'd forgotten that's in this footnote here is that Dr. Rhea Ore <laughs> had uh, conducted research on sexual arousal that was published in 2003. So this is like a career thing for him too. Mm. Gotta yes. get published. Now, time he did get informed consent. So right, yeah. the reason they included that is like he he knows, he knows that this needs to happen, yeah. um, but he didn't do it because these people can't or would be less likely to complain. Oh, his first right. name is Jerry. It's here in this footnote. Oh Jerry my Rio. God. Fuck all Jerry's. <laughs> no Jerry's. No good Jerry's. No Todd's. No Kevin's. No Jerry's. Yeah. And Jeff, all Jerry's are bastards. Okay. <laughs> The final paragraph about it says in early 2019, DHS was asked by members of the Iowa legislatures whether this research was occurring at Glenwood. DHS reported to the legislature that the answer was no, but they didn't check before. (laughs) Nor did DHS follow up several months later in August 2019 when Dr. Rhea sought and obtained DHS permission to travel to Kansas to meet with his proposed research collaborators on the very research projects that had reportedly been vetoed. And this prompted no follow-up inquiry. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Oh my god, it's so bad. They were like, no, we're not doing this, but also we're going to send someone with... (laughs) 
<laughs> to a conference to talk about how you're doing it. <laughs> yep. Jesus. Okay, so that's kind of the experimentation section, and then it moves on to their inadequate medical care, which is kind of the bulk of the remainder of the document. That and behavioral punishments, like unnecessary restraints and stuff like that. And it's pretty dark, but pretty straightforward. It has a, it includes a bunch of case studies that are pretty depressing, but it comes down basically to a complete lack of oversight, chronic understaffing, no communication between different departments. And so they're basically giving people who live there random amounts of medication, not checking if anyone else had given the medication, not writing down having given the medication anywhere, and having this like culture of retaliation to the point that someone wrote to Jerry Foxhoven and said that retribution would be severe if they found out that they had written a letter to him. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So in tw- July 2018, I have a list of all the times we talked to him. I fucking hate this dude. <laughs> so a, a, a doctor wrote a letter saying that retribution would be severe if they found out that he was reporting this to Foxhoven. Foxhoven says he doesn't recall the letter and then <sighs> also that it was a disgruntled employee. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe they're disgruntled because there's like an air of totalitarianism from this insane yeah. uh, superintendent. <laughs> he knew starting in 2017 and then was told at least twice a year for the duration up to the end of it and was told by dozens and dozens of people, including doctors. It's insane. Um, A doctor in February 2018 wrote a resignation letter and sent it to him talking about how what is going on at the facility is, quote, egregiously careless. So... I have, there's some like graphs and stuff showing like the death rates, how high they rose in just Mm -hmm. the time that Dr. Rhea was running the place. Oh my God. And so we can kind of put those in the notes because it's, it's dark to see. I'm thinking maybe I will upload my highlighted PDF to our website and then people can look at that. Yeah. So I think versus like reading all the different, like, you know, how they didn't have quality assurance measures and the graphs they did of mortality, maybe we could talk about the different cases that were in it. Because I think that's a, like a little bit conveys yeah, yeah. a little bit more about if that makes sense. Yeah, like every, yeah. every time they name somebody who was affected by this, it's like a terrible story. Yeah, so it's dark, but like, I feel like it does demonstrate what this meant in the lives of the people that they were doing mm-hmm. it to. So like... Yep. I can sit here and say they were they were not keeping track of people's medication. But unless you say, you know, here's what this looks like to a human being, it just feels like that is yeah. maybe a better way to do it. So yeah. I'm going to start on page 15. So resident Benjamin Drisden complained of abdominal pain in the early morning hours of August 18, 2018, stating, quote, I can't do it. It hurts so bad. So talking about Mm -hmm. being unable to go to the bathroom. He had Prater-Willi syndrome, a symptom of which is a high pain threshold. Consequently, when an individual with Prater-Willi symptom complains of pain, Mm. that is an unusually significant complaint. Yes. Um, He was also designated by Glenwood as a risk for bowel obstructions. And only two months earlier, following abdominal surgery... He experienced multiple complications resulting in an extensive stay in the hospital. 
Um, he remained in significant pain until later that day when having explosive diarrhea and stating he was going to vomit and pass out, he was finally sent to the hospital. Yeah, and you, you skipped one little bit there, which was that when he when he initially said he was in pain, he asked to go to the hospital explicitly. Oh, asked to go to the hospital. Sorry. Yeah, like at the part. beginning of the day, he wanted yep. to go to the hospital mm-hmm. and they didn't yes. do anything about it. They didn't take him. And then he was finally sent by non-emergency transport. The pain was from a bowel obstruction. It ruptured and killed him. Oh, God. Glenwood's unresponsiveness to his initial complaint gave him virtually no chance of survival. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is a pretty black and white case where it's completely their fault that this guy died. Yeah. Yes. And I, they are. It's it's pretty upsetting. And then the next one is Albert Crawford. I don't know if you want to read that one if everyone's sick of listening to my voice. <laughs> sure. I'll do Albert Crawford. <laughs> okay. I think I did an Albert Crawford earlier, too. Yeah, Yeah, you did. They're using pseudonyms, but they are consistent throughout the document. Uh, Albert Crawford's blood pressure was reported as 63 over 27, uh, a dangerously low level. Yeah, Yeah, I don't really know how those numbers work, but uh, that's low. Super low. 120 over 80 is normal, right? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, He was also experiencing low oxygen saturation, even with a nasal oxygen supply and a decreased pulse. Additional independent signs of a change in condition requiring assessment and response. But the primary care physician did not send him to the emergency room and did not perform an in-person assessment. So, did nothing. Instead, the PCP directed staff to invert him such that his feet were above his head. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Crawford was fed via a tube and was at high risk for aspirating. That is, inhaling food, liquid, vomit, or other matter into the lungs. His risk of aspiration was managed in part by ensuring that his head was always elevated and that he remained Mm. upright during and for 30 minutes after taking medication. So they did the complete opposite of that instead. The PCP directed staff to invert him and to continue his tube feeding. These orders are gross departures from generally accepted professional standards of care, and we have identified no plausible justification for them. But as a consequence, Mr. Crawford remained in an inverted position overnight for hours (sighs) while being tube fed, and he was hospitalized the next day with aspiration pneumonia. Oh. Ridiculous. Yeah. So the footnote on the same page relates to Felix Undergrove. Um, A PCP did not act on abnormal labs for over a week. During that time, the resident was likely in pain, as evidenced by repeated reports of agitation. So this is a nonverbal person. Um, They found inflammation and drainage around his feeding tube, typically quite painful, but the assessment incredibly documented no pain. He received no treatment for pain and instead was given a psychotropic medicine to suppress the agitation. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is a theme throughout. Later, they talk about, like, you know, working with behavioral issues, and it's a lot of psychotropic medicines or restraints tying people down yes there's a long segment on restraining people oh it's awful it paints a picture of just like a completely dysfunctional hell that these people live and work in they don't have the training to deal with any of these problems so they just have to fucking grab people and restrain them for a long amount of time I mean, these are severely disabled people, so they have behavioral issues, and there are yeah. lots of best practices to help people. Mm-hmm. I want to reiterate that this is, like, not inevitable. Yeah, I, like, we know how to mm-hmm. take care of a lot of these issues, but it takes resources that they're not willing to spend. So, I thought this was kind of interesting for referring just to Iowa in general. 
Iowa has been deliberately indifferent to the risks these practices create for Glenwood residents. Um, the concerning trend described above were never cause for concern for Glenwood, not even in retrospect, because according to Glenwood's then medical director, sometimes deaths happen in clusters. Oh my God, I forgot about that. That's <laughs> like Jesus. just fucking washing your hands of it because, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes God takes them in threes. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god. <laughs> and this graph with the arrow going straight up, that's a cluster. <laughs> They're clustered <laughs> around the straight up arrow. Like what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, we're all about, you know, extracting data from data? these disabled yeah. people, except in the case where they die, in which case the data is not relevant. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what the standard deviation is on that cuz uh it seems like it would be pretty high. <laughs> they can't do standard deviation. That's why it's not an experiment. <laughs> It's just for fun. <laughs> no, I just mean like expected deaths versus how many they had yeah. or that particular cluster or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Because she's just saying, oh, it's an outliers happen. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> like there are no bad ideas teacher. here. <laughs> what, can we, what can we do to these people today? <laughs> Got to occupy our time somehow. Yeah. I don't want to do any paperwork or whatever <laughs> like would be necessitated when someone has to go to the emergency room. So let's just let them suffer for 24 hours. It's just so fucking inhumane. It's hard to imagine the pain experienced by the residents, but also like the people working there. Oh, they were fucking miserable. Yeah. <sighs> so the disgruntled employees. Uh, yeah, there's a big might chunk. Be- <laughs> Oh yeah, but it's like obviously your employees are going to be disgruntled in this kind of environment. Yeah, they were very, very disgruntled. Yes, it would be traumatized. Like if you have an ounce of humanity, that would be fucking traumatic Mm -hmm. to experience a day of that. I'm sure that they don't have any resources. If they don't have resources for the patients, how are they going to have resources to support the staff? Oh, and I don't think the staff are wanting to tie people down. I think that they have no, they don't have enough people. And so if you have multiple people you're trying, they have no other choice. This is not the staff's fault. This is the leadership's fault. Yeah. And the staff were largely weren't staying there for very long because it was clear that like, people were whistleblowing like crazy. Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. a, I mean, I mean, 15 pages of this is just stuff about all the issue, all the like torment of the staff and how like there would be severe retribution for any reports of anything. And I mean, people, these staff members were whistleblowing regularly. So Mm -hmm. we cannot blame the people who worked there. This is falls on the leadership, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) speaking of cluster deaths, I have a thing highlighted here. Most notably, Glenwood's data indicates that the resident death rate nearly doubled each year between April 2015 and March 2019. I don't know what something has to be to be a cluster, but I don't think you can call it something that doubles every single year. Yeah, that's a trend, (laughs) I think. Yeah. (laughs) It's a multi-year cluster. We're in the cluster still. Yeah. I don't know what kind of... I'm not an expert in, like, how these places are assessed and the numbers that they need to report to, like, maintain their accreditations or things like that, but you would think number of resident deaths would be right. one of those metrics that has yeah. to be reported to the state and monitored. Like, oh yeah, I mean, stuff wasn't reported to the state, and also things, some things were reported to the state, and the state would just like they went a lot on like the own recognizance of Glenwood, so they would just say like 
take their take their like, word for data it data on face value and yeah. whenever they had some instead yeah. of being like you know we should have some quality control measures yeah they're not gonna dig for numbers no. i mean well, they're not interested because they don't give a fuck. Yeah, especially because if they were to dig into it, the numbers would, would probably look worse, you know? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're just like, well, we'll go ahead and accept the cluster deaths versus trying <laughs> to go into the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, another section of this report details how all the data they're going off of is also pretty flawed because their record keeping is all fucked up, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really bad. I was going to talk a little bit about restraints. And then I want to talk about Foxhoven. Oh, yeah. Please just indulge me in this. <laughs> no, it's just then, very interesting. I'm indulging yeah. in Foxhoven as well. It's okay. going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. And then um, talk a little bit. I kind of wanted to end on this article I found from this year because it's dark. Yeah. None of the rest of this is dark. <laughs> <laughs> that one is. <laughs> we're sort of like, uh, it's like we were at the entrance to a cave at the beginning and we're descending further and further into the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going into the bat caves like yeah. in Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> less and less <laughs> visibility. Increasing darkness. Down. Increasing darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they were just keeping people in restraints for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah, that's like a prison thing for sure. I mean, yes. it's like... Yes pretty stand like it is again a situation where it's like they don't have resources they're not having people who can like monitor them continuously Mm -hmm. so there's this part that says most notably staff injuries from the physical restraint rose 466 (laughs) percent from 2018 to 2019 so i mean these people are victims too it's important like they may be doing restraints that are not appropriate but like also, what the fuck are you supposed yeah. to do if you have no one to help you? Yeah, mm-hmm. these are supposed to be last resort, but they weren't given any other resort and right, exactly. aren't trained on any of this. They're just thrown into it. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so here we go, the restraint stuff. So in contrast to generally accepted practices that limit restraint uses, rates of physical restraints in which residents are held by staff skyrocketed at Glenwood. The facility's data show that restraints increased by 301%. Also, there's no way they're documenting their restraint usage. No. So I would say that we can think this is considerably higher. Mm-hmm. But from the documentation they have, it's a three. 301% increase um, in the time that this medical director was there, going from 223 re- restraints facility-wide in 2017 to 895 to 2019. <laughs> Basically, they just didn't have any people, and they didn't have any ability to do anything about behaviors besides tie people down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Restraint rates exploded in 2019 for some residents. One resident, Allison Raymond, was restrained 53 times in 20, 2017, and then eight in 2018, and 307 times in um, 2019. What? Another oh Megan McDonald restrained 23 times in 2017, 34 times in 2018, and 110 times in 2019. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone named Sophie Bradley, 118 times in a year. Um, Emily Finch, 293 times in under two years. I mean, these are yeah. people being restrained like every other day. And you're saying for hours and I mean, it's... Yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yep. It said emergency physical restraints should not last longer than 10 minutes. That's their training manual. But this is not what happened at all. Three of the 17 physical restraints that Emma Fenton experienced in two days last a total of 305 minutes. 
Um, similarly, in 2019, Ms. Raymond had 24 physical restraints lasting longer than 20 minutes, including six long-duration restraints in one day that lasted for a total of 289 minutes. And oh they're never God. supposed to go more than 10 minutes. That's over five hours, isn't it? Yep. It's almost six hours. Damn. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just awful. And again, it's that people have behavior issues when they're like, yeah. have the severe of disabilities, which means you need lots and lots and lots of resources. It should be noted that both Glenwood is still in existence. Yep. And it's receiving a budget cut this year. Oh, that's oh going to help. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something, too. With folks who have behavioral, when they act out, too, you know what doesn't help them become calmer and mm-hmm. you right. know, soothe them and not, you know, act out and have these behavioral issues more frequently and more aggressively? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like, instead of caring for these individuals, like, unique challenges, they treated them like they're all in a prison. Yeah. You mentioned um, Ms. Finch, I think, and she is referenced here as well. Because they, they talk about isolation in addition to the restraints where they keep people locked in their rooms alone. It's torture. Yeah. No matter who Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. Yep. Even in prisons. This Miss Finch, uh, one teenage resident, Miss Finch, who has oh, significant- she's a teenager. Mm-hmm. Significant behavioral oh. issues, lived in isolation in a home for more than two years until she moved oh. to a community placement in June 2020. She had little interaction with the outside world, and staff members informed us that they were instructed to physically block her from going outside. Uh, This resident's home was an austere environment, devoid of almost all items with which the resident could interact. Though she lived secluded in this home for more than two years, Glenwood had no real long-term plan for increasing her access to items, activities, or the outside world. By being secluded, this resident lost the opportunity to build skills, learn how to appropriately interact with others, and engage with the community. Moreover, seclusion likely worsened her existing mental health and behavioral health issues. She's one of, like, the toughest stories in here. Yeah, that's fucking just dark beyond anything and even just to say items to interact with yeah not even like no that that sounds yeah they wouldn't let her outside that's worse than fucking prison yeah she's just in a featureless room apparently oh Oh my god this is supposed to be their home like yes (sighs) that's so upsetting it's awful upsetting Okay, do you want to talk about Foxhoven? Yeah, if, if you are ready to move on, yeah. I, yes, I have highlighted every time, of which there are many, um, <laughs> he is referenced. <laughs> I'm really sorry if no one wants to listen to my personal vendetta against no, it. No, I mean, we collectively have a personal vendetta against Foxhoven, so this is yeah. very appropriate. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him. And all these people gargling his balls for writing an article about how it's pro-life <laughs> to be okay with abortion. Fuck you, too. Yeah. <laughs> He's just an absolute monster. And I had a conversation with Ray Gun Shirts on Twitter about Foxhoven because they made like a cutesy shirt about how he likes Tupac. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tupac, who is famously pro choice. Tupac is pro choice and there are lyrics to prove it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, you, like, you know that, and, and it was before this came out, but I was like, yeah. this is a person who oversaw the privatization of Medicaid in Iowa. You should not be glorifying him or doing anything that like draws attention to him or helps him get into another position of power. Yes. And they were like, this was all Kim Reynolds. He did the best he could. Yeah. Like basically he was in there like as the adult in the room. He had to stay because he was the good guy. They completely brushed you off. Yeah. We're about to find out that he was not the good guy, actually. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I was just concerned about the privatization at the time. And now, and you know, I kind of didn't think it was this explicit, but many, 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 many times was he told about this and yeah. he did not give a fuck. 2017 is when this guy gets there and when Foxhoven first becomes aware of this. So he knows pretty quickly. So the fact that so many employee concerns were raised directly with Director Foxhoven, but not meaningfully acted upon, shows there were breakdowns in the reporting structure that employees should have been able to use to raise issues with confidence. The state does not dispute DHS staff did not appropriately respond to those complaints, in part because DHS leadership was reflexively dismissive of questions or information that could reflect poorly on DHS. And so I think that pretty much encapsulates his entire attitude, which is like, this looks bad. Don't tell me about it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to draw attention to it by firing the medical director or do anything at all. But yeah, very um, damning. Yeah. yeah, sounds like a lot of institutions in this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, DHS especially, too. Like, this is the same DHS that overlooked all of those child abuse complaints. And yeah. like, several kids who are in foster care have been neglected and abused. And several famous cases um, just in the past few years where a child ended up dying due to, like, malnutrition and abuse. Like, you're telling me this is the same, same administration <laughs> here? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, so in February 2018, an experienced Glenwood manager wrote to DHS, to DHS director Foxhoven. So this is written directly to him. This man who is supposedly the adult in the room who's only there because he wants to mitigate the harm that um, <laughs> Kim Reynolds is causing. So he's a, he's a victim in this too, you guys. So <laughs> he was alerted to, quote, draconian changes being made at the facility and a Quote, hostile work environment that suppressed dissent. The email details numerous changes that had taken place since Dr. Rhea became superintendent, including the elimination of policies that were created to safeguard residents, changes to restraint policy, um, potential introduction of mechanical restraints, firing or suspension of staff under questionable services, reductions in compliance training and reporting functions handled by the quality management department, um, shifting to people with very little or no experience. This manager warned of, quote, grave risk to client welfare and said, quote, the end result of Mr. Ria's action will be a dangerous environment for clients and staff, a hostile work environment, and eventually heavy, heavy fines from oversight agencies. Mm-hmm. The manager also asserted that the division administrator was covering up, um, so that's Mr. Schultz, was covering up Dr. Ria's actions and demonstrated a lack of oversight. So here's how Foxhoven responds when he's asked about it later. Well, first he says he responded, Dr. or Director Foxhoven responded to the complainant to say he would look into the issues. <laughs> when he was interviewed by the DOJ and showed the email, Mr. Foxhoven said he did not recall the communication. <laughs> <laughs> how would you not remember that? To me, like, I just keep putting myself as, like, a human being with this much power over other people, and you receive an email like that from a manager, and you don't recall? What the fuck? He he gets a lot of emails, I bet, so... (laughs) Oh, he gets so many... So many emails, and he doesn't remember this one detailing torture practices of mm-hmm. the disabled people. <laughs> yeah, it's the all-purpose defense. Yeah, he doesn't have a Outlook filter for his managers <laughs> or you know, like high-ranking people that he needs to talk to to do his job. That one was to go to the old spam folder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
But you did say he replied to that, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Documented reply, but he doesn't remember. Okay. <laughs> All right, maybe he does have Outlook skills. Okay. <laughs> he, he has Iran-Contra. I do not recall skills as well. So. <laughs> yeah, Alberto Gonzalez. <laughs> That's that's the old one. Okay. Also in February 2018, one of the facility's physicians contacted Director Foxhoven by phone and email, stating that recent management of medical care had been, quote, egregiously careless. Again, in February 2018, another experienced manager wrote to Foxhoven saying staff were demoralized and multiple staff members were resigning because the stress level is so high. So Director Foxhoven responded by replied by promising action. So in <laughs> one or two months in 2018, he got a letter from a manager, another manager, and a doctor, all saying that there is abuse going on in this facility. And he doesn't look into it at all and just says, like, you know, we're definitely going to do something about it. Or I don't remember. He replied by promising action. However, when interviewed, he could not recall what specific actions he planned to take. And we've found no evidence that any action was taking at the time. In July 2018, the same manager wrote again to Director Foxhoven, noting that retribution here will be severe if I've found out and that many other concerned staff were too afraid of retaliation to speak out. The email included an itemized list of alarming developments. So I think we all know what the alarming developments are. So I'm going to skip that part. Yeah, Yeah, I think we got those. (laughs) Okay. A third Glenwood manager had been working in the facility for decades, also reported concern to Director Foxhoven in early 2018. It's always been bad here, but it seems really bad right now. Can you imagine, like... (laughs) Decades there, and you're complaining now, like, how bad it would have been. Really must have hit a threshold. You'd think that that would, that kind of tenure would also garner a level of, like, trust, you know? Right. Yeah. (laughs) That this guy's... uh... Because all these people are very experienced, like, it's not people who just started. And he Mm -hmm. always says these are disgruntled employees when asked about it. Um, So this third manager, so this is four people, three of which are managers and one of which is a doctor, reached out to him in early 2018. She told us it was the first time she jumped the chain of command ever. And she believes the number of people contacting him was unprecedented. Direct care workers also raised concerns to DHS. So in May 2019, a direct care worker emailed Director Foxhoven. So every single one of these things are going straight to him. And that's the thing that pisses me off is that um, you have someone like Raygun saying that, like, you know, the people in charge have no accountability for it because they don't know what's going on under them. And it's like these are all of these are direct to himself. Yeah. I mean he he did know, but even if he didn't actually, he's willfully ignoring all of this. Yes. A direct care worker emailed Director Foxhoven, so that's probably a CNA or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, saying changes in the way residents were treated had caused them to, quote, act out behaviorally in ways we haven't seen, but upon entry of the facility years and years ago. So people have regressed to the point of before they ever received care in the first place. Our concerns are being ignored. We're being retaliated against for caring about our residents' well-being. Director Foxhoven, Mr. Schultz, told us, so the DOJ, they assumed the employee was upset about a change in her shift assignment. Oh my no God. one in the central <laughs> office investigated these allegations? Yeah. 
Director Fox Oven acknowledged to us that he received, quote, way more complaints from the staff at Glenwood than from staff at any other DHS facility. He dismissed these complaints because Glenwood was viewed as a troubled facility where there was a lot of, quote, dissatisfaction for years. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Again, in 2018, he got a resignation letter from a doctor that said, quote, leadership at the facility has gutted the medical staff in such a way they've placed our residents, the state's most vulnerable adults, at risk. Practicing here in a present state of affairs is dangerous, both personally and professionally. And then it details a bunch of like different retaliatory actions they took and ends with DHS central office never investigated. Oh my God. How squeaky does this wheel have to get, Jerry? (laughs) 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 These are all disgruntled employees. And honestly, yeah, they are. Yeah. 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 With good reason. Why would they be gruntled working here? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're very disgruntled. But it's easy to dismiss them as just like unhappy, you know, non-compliant workers. Yeah. Yeah. I think all the people involved in this need to read like principles of good management books (laughs) until they're (laughs) better able to like address their, you know, like employees. That's what they should do is lock them in seclusion for two years and give them (laughs) nothing but a pile of management books. (laughs) (laughs) That's better than what Ms. Finch got. Yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. So... I tried to go through and make a list of every time the Department of Human Services was advised about this. And I stopped because there were so many. Yeah, um, it's pretty much every step <laughs> of the way. Yeah. 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 So at page 16, I stopped writing them down. And there are like... <laughs> 16 of 63. <laughs> of 63. Oh my yeah. Just a full page full. And then just like, no, I can't do it. Every step of the way, they knew everything about this. Mm-hmm. Horrific. So do you have anything else you want to add about the report itself? Uh, yeah, actually, before we move on to the media thing, and this actually, I think, will kind of transition into that well. Uh, before, when we were talking about restraints, we stressed that the people working at Glenwood were also being victimized by the system of Glenwood. But I do want to say that that does not eliminate any of your responsibility to be a decent human being. Mm -hmm. And there is one example in here that the people who work there also, a lot of them are guilty of mistreating the residents. Right. Not everyone is whistleblowing. And also, like, when you have that much trouble getting staff, you're going to end up with some people who are not good. Of course, yeah. If no one wants to work there. Yeah. And this, uh, before... Dr. Rhea was uh, hired as a superintendent. This was kind of the most recent uh, media attention that Glenwood got. According to press reports in September 2016, staff not regularly assigned to a home discovered systemic mistreatment of residents there, including staff striking residents on the head with metal spoons and butter knife handles, verbally taunting them, neglecting their personal care, and allowing peer-to-peer aggression. Uh, More than a dozen employees were fired or resigned, and six Glenwood employees were arrested, five of whom were convicted or pled guilty to criminal charges. So dark. You know, that's a level above inappropriate restraints. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, in the human services field, there are people who get into it because they truly do want to help other people. And then there's also people who are attracted to having like power over other Mm -hmm. people. And Mm -hmm. so if there's not like norms of ethical behavior and oversight, that's when (laughs) truly abhorrent shit is going to happen. Oh, it's so awful to hear something like that happen. At least they were charged and prosecuted and hopefully never allowed to work in, in a care facility caring for anyone ever again. Hopefully. 
It's so bad. I did like the briefest media analysis. I Googled the um, investigation and then clicked on the top five results. I guess six. There's one I pulled aside that's super recent, but the rest of them are all clustered, as it were, <laughs> <laughs> within a couple days after the report comes out. So basically, this immediately drops off the radar. Um, and I right. think that's a pretty damning indictment because there have been developments since then. And the fact that we don't have people doing investigative reporting to follow up with like, there are other facilities in Iowa that people have had concerns about. And this facility is still open. So yeah. the fact that there would be allegations or proven things like this happening and the articles are only written December 22nd and 23rd of 2020, that's pretty disgusting to me. Media is supposed to be out there exposing abuses and following up when they happen. Yeah. This isn't something that happened. It's something that is happening. Right. The DOJ report ends with like five or six pages of requirements of changes they have to make. But I haven't seen any media since when this documentation first came out. There has been no follow up by any kind of media that I can see regarding whether any of these changes have actually started being put in place. Um, And I think it's pretty likely that they haven't. So I think it's pretty Mm -hmm. likely that all of this is continuing. The other thing I noticed is there's a lot of emphasis on the, so like the sex stuff is horrifying. Um, And I'm not trying to downplay it, but this was abuse that occurred on a couple residents, whereas we have a death rate that doubles every single year over the course of 2016 to 2019. So it's like there are many, many, many people that are dying. But the only way that you can get people's attention or get on the news is if you have the creepy sex experiments. Mm -hmm. And that is problematic to me because it's like, yeah, that's the most inflammatory part of it. But we shouldn't be people should care because they're human beings that are dying, not just because they're doing like extra freaky experiments. Right. Yeah. It's not just a spectacle. And this is why Jake sent me this document is because, you know, we'd been reading all of the articles coming out and we're like, wow, what a crazy thing that they did over there. And then he actually like skimmed through the document and was like, oh, that's the tip of the iceberg. You should actually cover this. The sex experiments, there was like one person and, you know, it was really small groups of people. And even the hydration experiments was two groups. So like around two dozen people, 20 people, something like that. And the death rate and the neglect and the retaliation and, you know, Mm -hmm. the psychological harm from isolation and seclusion and torture like we don't seem to care about those things because they're too pedestrian Mm -hmm. yeah they're not sexy enough (laughs) yeah it's not sexy Mm -hmm. enough so it was only in the news nationally even because it was sexy and then it dropped off immediately and it's Mm -hmm. like do you know what kind of bullshit i see they're reporting on twitter every fucking day you don't have time to like do you know how articles i saw about joe biden falling or whatever like (laughs) (laughs) we can't report on these like vulnerable people and then i tried to find what is the most recent reporting on it because i was like is anyone following up on this like has anyone gone back since this came out and said are they making any of these changes because it's been a couple months now right um the only article i found is like kind of where i want to end my portion it's by jeff van sant January 20th, 2021, and it's titled, Despite Possible Budget Cuts, Iowa DHS says the future of facilities subjected to DOJ investigation is secure. The facility is important to the southwest Iowa town of Glenwood's 
economy. (laughs) (laughs) Glenwood, a small town in southwest Iowa, is host to one of two state-run institutions for individuals with intellectual disabilities. With it comes more than 450 jobs, according to the Glenwood Area Chamber of Commerce, making it the largest employer in a town of 5,500 people. Then they do a paragraph saying there was an investigation. Then it says, Governor Kim Reynolds proposed a budget cut of $1.9 million to the Glenwood Resource Center in her latest budget proposal for the next fiscal year. This concerns some in Glenwood. (laughs) Quote, whatever happens or doesn't happen with GRC really impacts the rest of the town, said Rachel Reese of the area's Chamber of Commerce. So they're concerned about the budget cuts because it will eliminate jobs, but not because when they cut budget, it torments individuals with disabilities. What about the neighbors you have who live there in that facility as clients? Like, do you care about them as This is their home. Yeah. These are the people you live by. It says, recruiting medical and direct care staff to Glenwood has been difficult. A DHS spokesperson said. (laughs) They got a bit of a reputation. But staffing won't be impacted by any cut, according to the agency, because overtime will be reduced instead. (laughs) What? (laughs) God damn. Yeah, that's always a big issue. It's always overtime. Always overtime. (laughs) That's our our biggest problem at Glenwood Resource Center. Too much. (laughs) The 30 minutes of overtime debriefing the next staff person who's going to come on board with (laughs) the client who has been complaining about being in pain all day. We don't need that. Let's get rid of that. But (laughs) (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. So how are you going to reduce overtime if you're also cutting the budget? Yeah, I I mean, mean, you've got staffing problems already. They're working overtime because (laughs) otherwise these residents are alone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, this is only going to get worse, is the point. And also, apparently, our only concern is the fucking economy, which, like, theme. Yeah, yeah. It was capitalism all along. (laughs) (laughs) This shouldn't bum you out. It should piss you off. Yeah. Like, that's honestly what I've just been sitting here it should infuriate you. And it, it just reminds me of all the people who like knee jerk. They don't, because there is such a lack of reporting on like these big issues or like, I mean, there's been a lot of reporting on like ice internment camps and all of that shit, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's awful. Like institutionalization is awful in this country and it's getting worse. And like, you shouldn't just knee jerk defend the people in charge because you think that they're doing it better than the Republicans. Because I mean, obviously, Fox was a de- uh, Democrat, but he was, they're all part of the same system. Yes. Yeah. It's insane. Concerned with their egos, concerned with how things look, concerned with covering things up. I always just think of like, do you know what I would do if I was given this opportunity to improve so many people's lives? There is mm-hmm. no fucking excuse for being in a position of power like director of DHS and not doing every fucking thing you have to make people's lives better. All of these politicians, you're just letting them get away with anything. And it's like, you should be pushing them every step of the way. Whatever they're doing, it's not enough. They could be using the media to fucking raise attention for this shit to actually like raise public support for reforms. Mm -hmm. Or At the very least, obviously. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a whole argument about whether reform is even possible, but like, fuck, gotta do something. Yes. It's unacceptable to defend people in power 
you just don't do it. You need to be pushing them harder and harder. If I had the opportunity to be director of DHS, I just imagining the difference you could make and to just sit on your ass with these emails coming in saying they're fucking torturing our disabled citizens. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck you. You're going to hell. Like, you just like, no, I'm serious. Like, you you can, it's not possible to be a good person. And if you publish (laughs) editorials written by this person, you're also not a good person. Yeah. Yeah. You're complicit because you're helping get him another position of power. You, there is just no such thing as an adult in the room that is secretly working behind the scenes to make things better. Because with someone like that, the power that you have in your own resignation is big enough that there's no excuse for not doing it. So like if you're a Foxhoven and this stuff is coming up and you're trying everything you can and not improving it, Mm -hmm. the director of human services in an entire state writing an open letter and resigning could make a huge difference. You are never, Mm -hmm. ever out of opportunities if someone's within a position of power like that to make things better. And if you are, you still have another card to pull. And that's a public (laughs) resignation and throwing a huge media fit. And like, there's just no excuse. We can't let these people get away with this. That's probably why he was appointed and why he had such a successful career up Mm. until that point, right? Like, That's what it is. Yeah, it's putting their career and their silence benefits them. It's better if people don't know how this shit happens and how it works and how it continues to work. Yeah, because now you're like, now you're a disgruntled employee. How are you going (laughs) to get another director in state government position? Yeah. Who cares? How are you going to sleep at night, motherfucker? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it just makes me really mad. Yeah, everything about him in this report demonstrates just how comfortable he felt neglecting his job and covering his own ass when he really should have been fearing for his life. These people are not scared enough of us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a failure on the part of the American public. (laughs) When these people go outside, they should be afraid. They shouldn't go outside. They shouldn't go outside. (laughs) They shouldn't feel comfortable. They should welcome our milkshakes on our head because it's not an oozy. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't endorse anything beyond the milkshakes. (laughs) I don't endorse any. I said our milkshakes. Right, right. No, no, yeah, I know. I'm just kidding, but yeah, no, it's. I 100% agree with the fucking sentiment. It's it's insane the way that, like I said, people would just rather not know because it's it's fucking hard to deal with, like, yep. knowing the extent of this fucking awful shit that happens in this country. I get it. I do. But you do have a responsibility to your fellow Iowans. Right. As a public servant, someone who's ostensibly acting in the public's interest. Yeah. yeah. There's only one way to resolve it, and that's collectively. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's part of also just treating the government like a fucking business again, because yeah. that, yes. they have the business mm-hmm. mindset and they're applying it to government. I mean, fundamentally, that's what the medical director was doing, too, mm-hmm. is he wanted to be able to like sell data and make these big breakthroughs and like still treating healthcare <laughs> and people's lives like numbers, which is exactly the same thing that Kim Reynolds does. He was just trying yeah. to, you know, have that level of credibility and notoriety, you know, kind of similar to like Stanford when it did the Stanford prison experiments and <laughs> yeah there's a lot of villains in this story <laughs> there's so many villains mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. story. 
sometime we need to talk about how chambers of commerce are. <laughs> oh, yeah. But just like imagine hearing this and just, I don't know. I hope that we have enough people who listen to this that get pissed off and can do whatever they have in their position of power, which is probably not a lot. But if enough of us care about it together, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Someday it's got to be fueled into some kind of action. But we're not the authorities to really <laughs> make that plan at this point. <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap up. That was a much more energetic episode than I expected. I thought we were going to be pretty somber, but instead we got pissed off instead of sad. Yeah, I think that's yeah. good. No, I think that's yeah, that's definitely the way to go. You should, I mean, you should be sad too, too. listener. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you how you should feel, but you should feel quite a plethora of emotions at this point <laughs> in your. And listening. they should all be bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> except for when you think about how wonderful we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there will be some supporting documents, I think, in the episode description. I will upload this PDF to our website, and I'll link that. You should read it for yourself because we covered a lot of it, but it's a pretty extensive investigation that I think a lot of people would learn a lot from. Yeah, I skipped big chunks of the medical neglect stuff, and I think it's also interesting to read just in the interest of time. So I would encourage you to, to go through it yourself, too. Mm-hmm. That website is rockhardcock.us. Do we have anything else we need to talk about? Uh, we're going to listen to Slipknot soon. Oh, that's right. Yes. We have reached our Patreon goal of $100 per month. And so we'll be listening to Iowa's... Al- or, sorry. We'll be listening to Slipknot's album, Iowa, <laughs> very soon <laughs> and reviewing it for the show. Yeah. We should start a band called Iowa and make an album called Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I'm surprised there isn't a band called Iowa. You know, there's yeah, Kansas, Kansas. You know, Chicago, Boston. Chicago. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. A lot of places. <laughs> and why not our place? Europe. Yeah. 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 Europe. Asia. Asia. Africa. Yeah. That's a huge one. Asia. Uh, all right, so that's at, that's at patreon.com slash rockhardcaucus if you would like to hear the Slipknot review when it comes out. But until then, thanks for listening, and thanks, as always, for your support, both online and off. And for keeping us <laughs> honest with uh, factual corrections as needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I have a small anecdote. I, uh, I'm vaccinated now. I got my first vaccination, yeah. and the way I did it was by just knowing uh, someone who works at a certain... Uh, grocery chain that there's might not be a helpful smile in every aisle but there's probably like a very stressed out overworked stern look on their face but apparently they had some scheduling snafu and so he was allowed to bring three other people because they just had a scheduling uh thing where they had a bunch of extra vaccines and not enough appointments for high V employees and so that's how i got vaccinated Yay. <laughs> just uh yay good one for the state uh yeah a great way like of distributing vaccines that's how it should work but hey i will not look a gift horse in that mouth so (laughs) i'm happy to have the vax in my body all right well that'll do it thanks for listening to rock hard caucus goodbye i never meant to be so bad to you one thing i said that i would never do
sun. 